Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my amazing co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, how is your day going so far? Going great. And I'm always excited because we're more and more talking to uh, some great people and uh, learning some great things. And we've got another great guest lined up. I'm excited yet again. Now, our guest today is hitting cleanup. So no pressure, yes. but you're the final one for the day. So always oh, a, a, a very great spot. It's a rare occasion that we're. it's not podcast Friday. It's podcast Thursday. Yeah. And that's because of Al, because Al's got some hockey tournament, I believe, to uh, Hockey tournament to tomorrow weekend. with my daughter. Yes, yeah. correct. Very cool. Very cool. Well, with no further ado, today's guest is Giselle Kovari. Giselle is the practice lead in Optimus SBR's learning and enablement practice with over 20 years experience as a sought after resource to industry leaders across private, public and not for profit sectors dedicated to building strategies and programs that help clients target, motivate and engage employees in order to increase performance and productivity. Do you get a sense of why we want to talk to Giselle? I'm going to keep going. Giselle has devoted more than 18 years to researching the impact that generational differences have on organizational performance, creating solutions and programs in five different practice areas, sales and customer service, leadership, team building, millennials and Gen Zs, and HR. Giselle has co-authored two books, Loyalty Unplugged, How to Get, Keep, and Grow All Four Generations, and Upgrade Now, Nine Advanced Leadership Skills, Giselle also completed Canada's first national surveys on Gen Zs in 2017. Giselle worked collaboratively, I can say that, with executive stakeholders to ensure talent management solutions are tailored to an organization's context and environment while positioning the organization for success and minimizing human capital risk. Prior to joining Optimus SBR through the acquisition of her own business, NGen People Performance Inc., Giselle spent 18 years as a co-founder and president of NGen and partnered with 21 of the top Fortune 500 companies across North America. Over 65,000 people globally have experienced a workshop or presentation delivered by Giselle. Giselle holds a Master of Arts degree in Communications, studies at the University of Windsor. She is the chair of the board at the Institute for Performance and Learning a member of the Cross Academy Association and the Human Resource Management and Organizational Behavior Advisory Council at the Ted Rogers School of Management. Welcome to the show. You oh are my goodness. Such a, do you ever hear that? You know, hear it's your own much. bio and think, oh my gosh, I, yeah, I guess I've kind of done a lot in my life. Well, I think I need a better marketing person to give a pared down version. I think that's the one that we post, but never expected that you would read it all, Robin. So... <laughs> You know it's, what? That's I, a lot. That's a lot. I read it all. I remember reading it. And I thought, wow, this is a lot. But it's it's so impressive to me. You're so accomplished. And it's one of the reasons I was happy you you joined the show. And before I forget, I do have to send a shout out to James Maliaros, who gave us an introduction, who is just a wonderful human being. And, you know, that goes back to one of the 
unintended parts of the podcast. And I never thought it was unexpected what happened when we'd have guests on like yourselves. And James was a client at the time. And, and James has since become a friend. And it's really nice to be able to put everything away. I've said this before. People will hear me say this. Put everything away. You know, put your phone away and have a conversation because you get to a next level with someone and you deepen those connections. So I'm so happy uh, that you're here so we can do that with you as well. No, I'm, I'm great. I'm so glad to be part of this conversation. And yes, I mean, James was a client and also a good friend. And, and when he made the connection, I knew it'd be fantastic. So thanks for having me. Wonderful. Well, let's jump into it because Al and I have actually been talking about this recently in terms of different generations in the workforce. But why do you think the generational training has remained so popular over the years? It's really interesting because I didn't think it would last this long, to be honest. So as a little bit of context, started the business in 2003 with a business partner. We were colleagues and we decided to leave our jobs at the university and launch our business in 2003. And we frankly thought that this was just going to be something that was fun for a couple of years. And we thought, oh yeah, you know what? This is a hot topic. We're going to do some research in it. We did. We published some white papers and we started to work with clients. And we thought, you know what? After a couple of years, people will get it, right? They'll, they'll understand. And this will taper off. And here we are 19 years later now that this is still an issue. We still continue to do work in this space, speak, right? And educate people around the different generations. So I think that part of the reason why is that A, it is a lot more complex than it seems. So initially people thought, okay, you know what? I'll learn about the generations. Check, right? It's just, you know, we all go to those lunch and learns or whatever it is. And we know who the different generations are. We can name them. There's traditionalists, baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Z or Z if you're American. So either or. But it's really about understanding how do those behaviors translate and those identities translate into different behaviors that show up in our work. So we do a lot of work and my area of interest has always been on how does that show up when we're working together? So things like loyalty or the relationship we have with authority or how we work. And I think that's the reason why it has had legs for so long is that it's showing up in so many ways and it's impacting the way in which organizations and leaders engage people. And with each new generation, it gives us an opportunity to be self-reflective, quite frankly, like what am I doing that I want to keep and what do I need to let go of? And it also gives us just a greater diversity of thought and perspective. So I think for that reason or those reasons, it's not likely to go away. Giselle, I've been sitting here as an employer myself and on behalf of my clients as well. What are some of the challenges when you see a company trying to grow and trying to create this culture? What are some of the challenges about having all these different generations in one company? So many challenges. And it really depends on the type of business that you have. So you can think about many of our industries are still incredibly traditionalist in nature. I'd suggest to you that banking, insurance, oil and gas, government still function in our line very much to some traditionalist and baby boomer values. So within those organizations, the challenge is how can within a large structure, how can they allow for some flexibility and fluidity for the individual managers and leaders to engage with their people in the right way? And in particular, understanding what do the Gen Zs want as new early career talent coming into workplace, but also managing the range of different expectations across a multi-generational workforce. So that can be a challenge. The other is that many times our leaders are not well equipped on how to engage and motivate the different generations. So we tend to, 
lead and engage people the way we have been before, or what we like is not necessarily what other people like. So just being able to have the skills to understand how to address that, how to understand where the different motivators might come from is a key piece. And then I would say, you know, fundamentally, the challenge is just around how do we create environments that are going to be engaging for all. So this is not, you know, about understanding just one generation. It's about really being able to look across the generations and identify how do we maximize the skill sets of those different generations on our teams while managing any of the friction or clash points. So we talk about the need to be a very transparent organization, a responsive organization, and one that partners with employees. That may be more or less challenging depending on the industry you're in, the size of the organization, the size of the team. It's interesting because, you know, one of the challenges a particular client had was there was very much kind of on opposite ends, the bookends where the older generation and a very young demographic coming in. And because they hadn't done the planning properly to allow people to retire at a point, they weren't in a position because there was no pension in place for years. There's no group retirement. And when doing some of these exit interviews, the people were not leaving because they didn't like the company, the pay wasn't good, the benefits weren't good, but they felt that those channels of promotion were blocked. So they didn't see that path. So it's it's interesting for Al and I to be sitting here running a company and growing a company and looking to add people. And, and of course, we want some younger people coming in. To me, what I'm hearing is it's really important to make sure we know what the needs are of those people and maybe not provide leadership the same way to everybody. Absolutely. And there's so many pieces there, as you mentioned, from a benefits package from career pathing, succession planning, learning and development, we need to have integrated people strategies, integrated HR practices that really address the range of employee expectations. That's number one, understanding exactly where are those levers that we can leverage and then building a different kind of experience for younger employees. So I do a lot of work in the early career space across large tech firms, telcos, and any sales organization, right, that brings in young salespeople. It's recognizing how do we not just bring them in the door, but then how do we retain them and keep them engaged? The key piece is going to be the relationship with their leader, their relationship with their colleagues. And then to your point, the structure around that. Gen Zs in particular want to learn and grow. 89% of them in our study said that they want to work for an organization that's going to allow them to have learning and development. They have a strong, strong growth mindset. So if they come in and don't think they have that opportunity, they'll leave. And I just was delivering a keynote this morning to a group of executives. And they were saying one of the things that they're seeing is that the Gen Zs will come into the organization, but if they're not happy, they don't actually say anything. They just leave. And they find out after they say, well, you know, what happened? They said, oh, you know what? I didn't think this was going to happen. Or I didn't see a career path for me. I didn't think it was fast enough. I didn't have interesting work. Whatever it is, it's it's not usually the financial piece. It's all those other things. And as opposed to perhaps where millennials would have like, you know, pounded their fist a little bit on the table and said, you've got to fix this. The Gen Zs just say, oh, okay, well, it's not here. I'm going to find somewhere else. And that's a risk when we want to think about retention. Val, you talked a, a little bit about how much longer this has lasted than maybe you originally thought, uh, gone from maybe two or three years now to almost 20 years. Can you talk a little bit about what you get out of it? Like, obviously, you're in business to be in business, but at the same time, there must be a part of the job that is satisfying and it drives you. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I would say the whole learning and development space is what inspires and motivates me. So, I mean, I happen to have an area of expertise around generational differences, but 
you know, work across a wide range of topics. And it really, my entire career has been spent on how do we set employees up for success to be more high performing, to invest more in themselves and to be able to deliver better results for the teams that they're in. Whether they're in a charity, whether they are sitting in a government office or they're working for a very aggressive startup or they're in a large industry in corporation. So that's always what's interests me. I mean, the generational piece, I have a lot of passion around that topic, but that's only one topic that I work in and that our team works in. And I think just generally learning engages me. And that's my work around the Institute for Performance and Learning, my board work there. That's really what it's about. It's cultivating a fabulous community across Canada of learning and performance professionals who are passionate about making our workforces more high performing. And that's what I get jazzed about. So what drove you specifically to look at the differences between generations? Like, how did you start with that? It's a bit of a funny story. So my former business partner and I were colleagues and we went for lunch one day. We didn't know each other really well. I mean, we worked together a little bit, but we didn't know each other super well. And we went for lunch one day at the end of the lunch. She said, I think we should do a business. I thought, okay, well, I don't know about this. And we met that weekend and we started to talk about it. And we knew because we were experiencing it, we knew that this generational issue was going to become a hot topic. It was right on the cusp. We really sort of took a first mover advantage in certainly the Canadian market. And it was just at the time where people were talking about the hypo. Do you remember that high potential employee? They said, we can't get them. We can't keep them. We don't know what to do when we have them. They're difficult to manage. And we started to ask our peers. And it didn't matter whether our friends were in law or medicine or in banking, wherever industry they were in, they were sort of saying the same thing, which is my leaders don't understand me. They think I want the career that they had. I don't. They think these things matter and other things matter to me instead. And so we just started to do some research and we researched evenings and weekends for almost a year before we quit our jobs. And that's how it came about. We were experiencing it. We saw, we knew the data was there to show we were going to have an aging workforce. We're going to have a shrinking labor pool. We're going to have a war for talent, which certainly was the case in the early 2000s. And we just took a leap and and decided to go for it. So never really looked back. You were years ahead of yourself. (laughs) Well, you know what? I was years younger too. So (laughs) (laughs) speaking of this industry, I mean, learning and development, what do you see for the future? I mean, is this going to continue to grow? Where do you see it going? If any industry has shown its value during COVID, it has been learning and development. This is an industry that has been expanding and growing significantly, I'd say in the last decade, but I think we're going to see an even larger ramp up. Organizations now recognize that they must and need to invest in their people in learning on an ongoing basis. This is not something we do once a year. It's not something that we just, again, have a checkbox. Oh, we've done this course. It's really ongoing, whether it's at the senior leadership, middle manager, frontline supervisor, employee level, or new grads, all the way through. Secondly, executive teams, boards are looking at that. They're saying the L&D person or the chief learning officer some organizations have, that person now has an incredibly strong voice at the table. And they are able to show the value that learning contributes to the business, the bottom line impact, the ability to increase engagement, to have lower turnover, a whole bunch of different elements. And then I would say, you know, thirdly, it's just the speed by which we need to all change. So whether it is change management, which, you know, we deliver programs on that, or resilience is one of the areas I started doing research on before COVID, and who knew we'd get a pandemic to test ourselves to see how resilient we are. 
you know, whether it's skills like that, that are considered whole life skills, I think communication, feedback, coaching, resilience, change management, all things that are good for our whole lives, regardless of just where we work, but we can apply those concepts broadly. So whether it's that, or it's really specific technical training that we need for our roles, our world is changing so rapidly that this is not a one and done anymore. When we used to come out of school and then that was it, you were sort of done learning. And now everybody is expected to have an ongoing learning and development plan. Everybody needs to have a growth mindset and be open to learning. We just have younger and younger people coming into the workplace now that that's been a given for them. They don't expect to work for one employer forever. They don't expect to be one in industry, one role, and they certainly don't expect to stop learning. So I'm very, very excited about the future of of learning and, and development, both within Canada and globally. What's the saying? You're either learning or growing or, or dying. Is that is that the saying? Right. Well, I yeah, to... I mean, you say that about business and I think it's the same about ourselves, right? If we're yeah. not evolving and learning, then we're stagnant. And by staying stagnant, you're declining. So Giselle, everything you've talked about is fascinating. And I want to ask you a question because I saw a presentation in the last week and it was very interesting to me and I took note of it. And what the theme of this presentation was, which I think maybe it's the same, maybe it's different from what you're talking about, was there isn't a whole lot of difference between some of the generations or maybe not as much as we think because this person's uh, viewpoint was we share a lot of the same values. It doesn't matter whether we're Gen Z, millennial, baby boomer, very often values are the same and that's what really matters. So I don't know if that's a theme that is common with what you have found or it's different, but can you talk about maybe some of your thoughts around that? I think it's a yes and no. And this has come up for the last 20 years in this space, a couple of things. Well, you know what? Generational differences don't really exist because we're all human, of course, or we all have the same core values or it's life stages. And I was like that when I was young and then I grew up and I got a dog and a house and the kids and some mortgage and debt. And now I'm different, right? So these, these things come up all the time. Addressing the value piece is really the reason why we started to do the research and the work from our first book And I spoke a little bit about the fact that how do these behaviors show up at work for us, right? What does it look like when a baby boomer or millennial or Gen Z behaves and acts in a different way? And so we have created organizational behavior charts and we look at things like loyalty or authority or change or work styles. And we say, absolutely. So for example, all five generations are loyal. It's where they place their loyalties that's different. A traditionalist would have been loyal, like my father worked for 32 years for Ontario Power Generation as an engineer. He was loyal to the big sort of concept of the organization. Baby boomers, we know, shifted their loyalty and they went through more downsizing than traditionalists ever had. They went through more struggles and they said, you know what, I'm not going to be loyal to this concept of just an organization. I'm going to be loyal to my team. And so that could have been the functional team, sales, customer service, HR, whatever it may be. Gen Xers entered the workplace and they said, well, I don't really care what employer I work for or even what group I'm in. I care about who I report to or who I collaborate with. And so I'm now going to be loyal to my leader, my manager, that one person above me who signs off on my vacation time, right? Gives me the learning development opportunities. There's a lot of reasons why behind all of these things as well. We go into that in our work. But the millennials then said, well, I'm not necessarily loyal to any of those things. I'm loyal to my pack. I'm loyal to my colleagues across the organization. And they talk and they share and they collaborate and they tell each other what their bonus is and what their salary is and their performance ratings. And now the loyalty is across the organization. 
and the Gen Zs have come along and they are loyal to the experience. So I jokingly say it's not entirely like I'm here for a good time, not a long time, because they do want to stay. 85% of the Gen Zs in our study said they want to stay with an employer for a long time. But they're savvy enough to know that this has to be a good experience. It needs to be collaborative. It needs to be win-win. And if that's good, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm expanding, I'm having growth opportunities, career pathing, as you said, solid pension and benefits, then I'm going to stay. But if it's not, I'm going to leave. So right there, we can see it's not fair to say, well, young people aren't loyal anymore. If we only defined it the way my father did, right, then yes, we would all look disloyal. But it's where we demonstrate that and how we demonstrate the differences. So we say across the generations, you're going to find core values that are consistent, but a very, very different interpretation of that and different behaviors that show up. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense. And you said a little bit at the end, it's reframing, right? It's the same value, but it's how it's applied and it's how it's framed. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I would just say to add on to that. When we looked at our behavioral charts, it's the reason why we work in the multicultural environments and globally is that we actually remove the age ranges. So it doesn't matter what year you were born. If Robin says, hey, you know what, really, my identity is most aligned with millennials, then that's what it is. I happen to be born a Gen Xer and I think and act like a Gen Xer. So I'm just sort of that classic poster child for Gen X. But we remove the age ranges. And many, many organizations we work with say, We have Gen Zs that are 22-year-olds that think and act like traditionalists. They've come from a traditionalist culture, traditionalist background, traditionalist upbringing. And that's great. That's important to know. We have to address. And that's why we always look at the five generations holistically. We don't just speak about one. But that same 22-year-old that is a traditionalist may not be getting along with the classic or typical 22-year-old Gen Z. So Giselle, I'm so happy you brought that up. So next time my wife says, act your age, I'll say, no, no, no. (laughs) This is who I identify with. That's right. (laughs) Right. My identity is really much more aligned to my mindset. Your mindset. Yes. Well, we've had such a good conversation with you and, and about business, but we'd like to take a little bit of a turn towards the philosophical. And Al does have a signature question. So if you're up for it, we'll let Al take it away. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay. So here we go. A society grows great. When old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? That's a good question, Al. And I love that quote. I think that personally, I hope that I've planted lots of seedlings. Anytime that I've delivered a presentation, anytime I've put out content and information, Sometimes I know about it. People come back and said, oh, you know what? I was at your session and that was great. Or I had a conversation with my kids or I read your book and that's lovely, but that's not why I do it. We really want to make sure that we are giving people, I say we, because there's a team of people behind what I do makes it happen. But I hope that, you know, there's been lots of seedlings planted and that trees grow from that. And a lot of times I will never see those trees come to fruition, but I can believe that there's a forest out there. I certainly hope for the people that have been on my team that have been able to learn and grow and some stay and some move on to other things that they have had an opportunity to get maybe another branch in their tree by collaborating and being part of our business. 
And then me joining Optimus SBR, selling the business and coming in and being part of a larger trunk when I think about the tree analogy, right? Now we're part of a steadier, larger trunk that can really go out and service clients a different way. We bring a branch and that expands, that expands what that tree is, expands the shade that we can provide. And I think that in that way, it's really exciting because learning and development has inherently a feel good element to it. We get to give people information and make them better at what they do. So I think that's fantastic. And I'm just happy that I get to be in an industry that gives back to other people and is very rewarding for myself. That is a great answer. And uh, I thank you for uh, sharing that. I can certainly relate to that. I think a lot of people will as well. And you just took the concept of planting trees like nobody I've ever seen since we have that question about creating the branches and the seedlings and the trunk. I mean, that was yeah. that was an outstanding answer. So thank you so much for joining us today. I was so excited to record this one. So I'm so glad you agreed to it. Thanks for sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Optimus SBR? They can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. So it's Giselle Kovari and I'm on LinkedIn. Very easy to find if you even Google my name. You'll be able to find me, or you could also go to learning at optimussbr.com. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Giselle. That does it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or be joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And remember, success leaves clues. Mm-hmm.